Welcome to another edition of Raider Golf, the podcast. Wow, it's been an enthralling four days of action covering the PGA Championship, the second major of the year. And uh, we've pretty much watched every single stroke uh, that was broadcast on Super Sport here in South Africa. And then some. We tried to, by hook or by crook, find any kind of footage that we could because... Man, it was a fascinating tournament and, and ordinarily probably the one that isn't as closely followed as the other three. But this time around, you simply couldn't take your eyes off it. Of course, from a South African perspective, we had so many in the mix. But uh, on top of that, so many different storylines that were intersecting. And, and we all know what happened in the end. Phil Mickelson going on to become the oldest ever major winner in history, doing so at the age of 50. And when I say we... I'm, of course, referring to myself and my partner in crime, Tyron Barnard. Tyron, geez, uh, what a couple of days of golf. Yeah, Derek, uh, historically speaking, the PGA Championship is not my favorite of the four majors. In fact, it's my least favorite of the four majors, but I was enthralled. I was gripped. I felt like we were going to see something historic. I, I genuinely felt like it was going to be a South African win. Um, but... You know, what an amazing thing to watch. To watch Phil, you know, past his peak and drives the longest drive of the day at 16. Um, Past his peak, but takes an eight-year gap to win. And past his peak, but becomes the first man in 486 major tournaments to be over the age of 50 and lift the trophy. And he did it all with with, uh, dark glasses that make him look like he is attempting to be a porn star as well i mean it's pretty pretty incredible yeah you know i think we run out of superlatives when describing just uh, what an achievement it was and you know i mean you and i were obviously constantly in communication we're actually just talking a bit off air how upset we were that we actually didn't watch it in person there's a whole bunch of us together in a, in a big whatsapp group talking through the entire thing and and it was unfortunate because some guys were watching the footage earlier than the others so they were giving things away so we weren't trying to talk as much as possible and, and probably a good thing in the end because we focused more on the golf than we did on the actual whatsapp group but it, the, the constant underlying feeling amongst most, including myself, was that Phil was going to implode eventually. He had to. There's no way this, this 50-year-old man can continue to perform shot after shot after shot like he was. And granted, there was a, a mini implosion of sorts, but by then, he had opened up so big a lead that uh, he ended up uh, winning comfortably by two strokes. Uh, Louis Ursaisen and Brooks Kepka grabbing a second spot. Yeah, it, you know, as, as much as we, we liked to create the drama and say it was close, it really wasn't close. He was always comfortable mm. yesterday. He did what he had to do, and when he did stumble, it came on the back of somebody else stumbling. And apart from in the first two, three holes when maybe it was even more four five holes when Brooks and him had two or three shot swings, Phil was always comfortable. He was always uh, looking over his shoulder rather than chasing someone in front of him. And, you know, at the end of the day, probably two strokes is understating, um, you know, how comfortable that victory ended up being for him. Yeah. Congratulations to Phil. We're going we're gonna to pick apart that incredible performance as well as uh, the many South Africans that were in the mix as, as well as Brooks Kepka and, and many others. Uh, of course, it wasn't the only crowning achievement that took place over the last couple of weeks. Ty, you got to speak to one Leanne Pace a few days ago. 
Yeah, of course, Leanne making her record-breaking fourth SA Women's Open victory. It's the third time, I think, or the second time she's done it as a co-sanctioned event. And along with uh, Nicole Garcia, um, we'll be flying the South African flag at the US Women's Open next month in uh, over in America. And yeah, just was great to catch up with her just a couple of days after the tournament and chat about what was a fantastic victory in uh, and and one of our guests will tell us probably the worst conditions I have seen professional golf be played at. It was absolutely ridiculous on Saturday there at Westlake down in the Western Cape. But she managed to get the job done. And I think she won the tournament with a plus one score, showing you just how tough it was. So uh, it's a nice little chat uh, that I got to have with her that we will listen to a little bit later. And hopefully... Leanne can uh, go do something special at the US Open. Yeah, I actually haven't heard the interview, so I'm I'm exceptionally excited to, to hear it. I wanted to hear it playback as we do it in real time and and, and experience it like a listener would. Uh, another feature that we always do is our, our course of the episode, and this time we went down to the Eastern Cape and went to my hometown, Port Elizabeth. People think PE, they think Humewood, one of the, the, the greatest links courses in the world. Surely it is, but we actually didn't go to Humewood this time around. We went just down the road, but uh, I'll introduce that a, a little later. Another man who took part, and, and you'll hear from him, who got to experience this course, was uh, one Niels van Jarsfeldt, uh, the well-known actor and a man who, who recently went on to achieve, I think he, he played the top 100 courses in South Africa, Ty, so he managed to, to, to strike that off the list, an amazing achievement, and uh, one of them was this course, so he gave us a, a little taste of what to experience, and... Um, we also are going to feature something that has taken the South African golfing public, and not just South African public, but uh, more so any golfing enthusiast by storm. And that is Golf Champs, Ty. Yeah, Golf Champs, is, it's, it's a reason to never watch golf again in your life, but it's also a reason to watch every weekend. Uh, we, of course, with Raider Golf, created a group that uh, Complete Golfer came on board and gave our top three finishers a year subscription. So Hank Watson, Murray Watt, and uh, uh, Daryl Willemser have each won themselves a one-year subscription to Complete Golfer. And uh, in the next edition, they can read my interview with Aidan Markram, which will be pretty cool. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, Golf Champs is great. I mean, the fact that you have to select for, you know, when you start selecting, uh, and, and we'll talk more about it with Cameron, is uh, the first thing you think about is <laughs> who is my high-ranked players that can make the cut. And what inevitably ends up happening is it's your lower ranked players that don't make the cut. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and it's, I mean, we're going to go into detail just how I managed to squeak through at the end after round two, you on the other hand, didn't have quite the same experience, although you cut me to shreds about the scene <laughs> that I selected. And, and I'm going to go into this, down to minute detail a little later. But all this and more coming up uh, on your favorite golfing podcast. It is Raider Golf. Hi, this is Masazim from the European Tour, and you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Tyron. Welcome back to the show. So, of course, we start at the very top. It is the PGA Championship. We just got to witness uh, four incredible days of golfing action over at Kiowa Island. And a man joining us who's uh, a regular guest on the show. Some would say he's actually a co-host, and, and many would love him to be that because he is just so good and so knowledgeable 
when it comes to golf. I'm talking about none other than the golfer, ex- broadcaster extraordinaire, Richard Masbro. Richard, welcome to the show again. You, of course, were on that WhatsApp group over the last four days uh, where we continued to talk nonstop over the action that was unfolding over at, in South Carolina. And, man, what a tournament. Hey, Derek. Hey, Ty. Thanks very much again for having me on to uh, have a chat about all things golf. Yeah, what a tournament it was. What a worthy winner. And what an eventful four days. Thoroughly enjoyed it, as you guys touched on a little bit earlier on. It uh, really was a, a fantastic tournament, a, a great tournament to watch. Um, you always felt there was something that was going to happen. There was, there was excitement. There was drama. There was just about everything that you want from uh, a major championship. And, of course, Rich, the last time it took place at Kiowa, it was back in, in 2012, if I'm not mistaken, where, where Rory McIlroy went on to win. And you were there. Yeah, I was there covering it for Supersport. Um, it was my second major championship, actually. Uh, and I think we only got there on the back of Ernie's win at the Open. Mm. Um, it was very much a, a lastminute.com thing. Um, Ernie had just won the Open Championship. And um, my boss had managed to uh, convince his boss that it was imperative <laughs> that we go and do a follow-up story with Ernie at Kiowa. And, um, and sure enough, we did. And I'll never forget arriving there um, day one. Of course, the, the PGA Championship has moved dates. So it's moved from... August to a little earlier on in the year and the weather's a little bit more temperate this time of year than it was in August and um, literally arriving at the course and, and stepping off the coach because you had to be um, bussed in there's no parking it's literally in the middle of a swamp and um, and just starting to sweat it was some of the hottest most unpleasant weather I've ever experienced in my life and um, we tracked Ernie down fairly quickly and had a chat with him but um, the biggest challenge of that interview was literally having to, to wipe his brow as the sweat was literally running off him. The, uh, the humidity was into the 90s. It was 42 degrees. Um, and uh, it just made for a rather rather challenging week. But um, yeah, it was a, a week full of, of great memories and what an experience. All right. So, I mean, it, it is a, a course that uh, brings back some great memories. Obviously, Rory's win. And, and it's one of the more emotional interviews when you go back and watch it. But I thought, let's, let's talk about some of the talking points that popped up this week. And the first one that I wanted to bring up is South Africa, the great 11 South Africans in the field, six South Africans making the cut three in the final three pairings and one as the runner up rich. Are we on the precipice of, or, or are, are we at that point where the, that bow is going to break and South Africa are going to win a clutch of major golfing tournaments again? Uh, you know, what, what, what is going so right that a country with as few professional golfers as we have are making up a major chunk of the field? Ty, it's quite remarkable. Um, you talk about sort of the majors coming thick and fast. Um, if you look back, I mean, 2010, 2011, 2012, we had a major champion each one of those years. A little bit further back, if you uh, if you want to include Trevor in 2008, um, we were we were dominant uh, on, on the major stage. And um, we might have lost that for a little bit. Um, I don't know what the reason is for that. Um, fields are getting deeper. Um, the emergence of, of quality players, the, the Brooks Kepkers and the likes that, uh, that are coming through now. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but the, the crop of youngsters that we've got coming out of South Africa now are absolutely astounding. If you look at those 11 players that pegged it up at Kiowa, um, 
any one of them, in fairness, can win a major. It's it's not a joke. It's not um, you know just saying it to be nice or saying it to be patriotic. Um, they've all got the game. They've all got the ability. Um, they've uh, they've all got what is required to succeed at the highest level. And as you say, I think there is definitely a uh, a chance that we are going to see very very soon. Um, another South African major winner. I really don't think it's an if, it's it's more a when. And, um, you know, who's it going to be? Um, because there are so many to choose from at the moment. There's an well, outstanding and, and let's, article. Let's all put out. So, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry Ty. Yeah, I mean, we, we spoke about this at length. And, and Richard, I, I'm not sure if you got to, to read it, but I think it was posted on golf.com. And they spoke about how incredible South Africa has become at golf. We've always known that, but you speak about the numbers. And I think, what was what is that number that they threw around to, I think, a, a country of 145,000 golfers, something to that respect, uh, that, can yeah, produce, that's, that's that can produce 11 players in, in, in a major. They said, imagine a, a place the size of New Mexico being, to, being able to contribute that. And uh, I, 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 we always know. How, how talented South Africa's are. I mean, the, the record speaks for itself when it comes to major achievements. I think we, we lie third on the list behind the USA, of course, and, and England. Only just, I think there's about a, a two-player swing there. But it, we are seeing, Richard, uh, an amazing uh, insurgence of, of, of South Africans. And it's the new talent coming through because we always spoke about the old guard. We knew that the Ernies and the Ratifs were doing well and then they switched over to, to the likes of Louis and Charles and, and of course we had Trevor during the, the Masters in 2008. And, and now suddenly it's the next, the next group coming through and, and led perfectly by, by the young Garrick Heku. Yeah, there's so many good up-and-coming youngsters there. Um, you mentioned Garrick. He's certainly first and foremost on that <laughs> list. Um, what he's managed to achieve in the last year or so on the European tour has been nothing short of remarkable. But Christian Besaidenhout, um, just just a stunning golfer, also loves a, a good hard course and a bit of a battle. Brandon Grace often gets forgotten in the conversation. Um, Daniel Fantonda, um, Dean Burmester as well. I mean, he's uh, he's also been uh, been very good of late, um, winning uh, on the European tour. So uh, there's so many good guys coming through, and I'm not even talking about the ones who who didn't feature in in this major. You look at somebody like Jaden Shaper, um, Christian Mast, uh, Casey Jarvis. Um, these are guys who who are going to to get to that level and are going to stay at that level for years to come. Yeah, and, and long may it continue. It's just there's something special about watching a grand uh, grand slam, a major, on a Sunday, and seeing a South African flag on that first page of the leaderboard because uh, you know you summon the memories of Charles in 2011, uh, Louis 2010, Ernie 2012, and and you just know that a South African being there, something special could happen, and and you want to be there and watch it live. The, the, the second turning point, talking about watching it live or talking point that I wanted to bring up, is the return of the crowds. Now, uh, I don't like many of the American crowds. Uh, I, I really don't enjoy them, but I loved having a crowd there. And even when they're shouting, get in the hole off a drive on a par five or light the candle or whatever those random hicks are, are, are shouting <laughs> – I love it. I absolutely loved having crowds back. I'm not sure that all the players loved having crowds, especially on that 18th yesterday, but um, it was great. I mean, uh, you know, it brings up the controversy of a, a crowd moving the ball, a crowd catching the ball or, or doing stuff, but you could just see the, the golfers loved it. 
And it just reminded us that uh, coronavirus has robbed us of a very integral part of sports. And that is the soul of the sport. That is the fans. You, you know, Ty, you speak about that. And and a lot of people criticize. I, I knew you, you mentioned the Hicks, the so-called uh, the, the rough side of, of the golfing fan over in the States. And, you know, I said, I'd rather have that. Give me that a million times over than silence. And uh, Rich, I know you were blown away last night at the crowds when Phil was uh, climbing down the, the final few holes towards that, uh, that 18 flag. Yeah, it was stunning to see <laughs> just such a welcome return to a bit of a vibe to um, to some sort of uh, atmosphere to a, to a sporting event. We've been starved of it for the last year and a bit, and it's just so good to see it back. Um, it, it sort of harks back to the days of East Lake and what happened with Tiger um, winning the Tour Championship there. Um, it, it was just stunning. I, I'm not I'm not defending the actions of the crowds and and them running, uh, you know, onto the fairway on 18. I think the marshals and and the staff at Kiowa, um, <laughs> they lost complete control of proceedings. Uh, I don't think they had the the best of evenings last night, and the debrief today is probably not going to be too pleasant for them. They were just completely underprepared for what happened there. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't actually mind. Um, it was it was cool to see. Um, it was nice to to get that feeling back again of excitement and and see fans and and see crowds. You know, regardless of how they're behaving, <laughs> regardless of what they're shouting, uh, it it was just nice for a change to have a bit of vibe. Well, you know, at one stage, because Phil was going down that 18th fairway, and he's just surrounded by the swarm of people, and suddenly we we said, "Where's Brooks?" And we can see Phil. And he actually got swallowed up by the crowd. And and you mentioned the fact that the marshals really lost their way. I mean, they, they lost complete control of, of the proceedings. But Phil, he was leisurely on his way towards collecting his sixth major. And, and Brooks was nowhere to be seen. Eventually, he got spat out. And, and he, he spoke um, shortly afterwards. And he was actually quite upset about what transpired. And, and this is what he had to say. And remember, Brooks went into this on the back of knee surgery. So... Uh, this is the man speaking immediately after Phil collected a sixth major and uh, Brooks uh, finished second alongside Louis. Yeah, it would have been cool if I didn't have a knee injury and got dinged a few times in the knee in that crowd because um, no one really gave a shit personally. Um, but if I was fine, yeah, it would have been cool. Um, you know, it's cool for Phil, but um, getting dinged a few times isn't exactly my idea of fun. Let's go to Luke. Uh, on that, Brooks, like, what is going through your mind, you know, as you're walking up to 18 with all that commotion around you? I mean, you're incredibly focused, but I'm just curious what's going through your mind in that moment. Uh, trying to protect my knee. Uh, I don't think anybody really understands until you actually you are coming out of surgery how, I mean, even when I was doing rehab and there's five people kind of standing by your knee, you get a little skittish. Um, and I, like, I don't mind waiting or being in that crowd, but, you know, getting my... I don't know, it felt like somebody tried to. I don't know what the deal was, but um, that's what it is. I'll be putting put it in ice today. It, it feels like shit right now. So not holding back was Brooks Kepka saying that he, he actually got taken out by, by some members of the crowd, Rich. Yeah. Hey, just before a- Rich jumps in there, I just, I just wanted to say, but uh, and sorry, Rich, just for interjecting there, but did you see 
um, <laughs> at the end when Phil won, Phil walked into the scorecards and like everyone was there giving him hugs and stuff. And Brooks barely like gave him a, a fist bump. So, you know, it's also, it's not the healthiest relationship in the world. I, I absolutely love it. But throw on top of that, he's getting his knee knocked because the fans are going crazy for Phil. Yeah, you can just imagine Brooks was not a very happy man to have only won a million dollars last night. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And, and that was before I heard the interview. So we didn't know what transpired over in that crowd. And you could see immediately you speak about that tie. And he had a death stare of all death stares looking at Phil. And, and there was this glory boy who had been put on this altar by the crowd, and rightly so. And, I mean, Brooks Kepko, remember, he was the blue-eyed American boy uh, a couple of years back. And to get smashed by his own fans, uh, I, can you imagine it must have been pretty upsetting, Rich? Yeah, obviously um, upsetting. Um, I, I don't know if, um, if anybody went out deliberately to, <laughs> to try and kick his leg um, or, or hurt him. But, you know, guys get excited. There was somebody who tried to jump on Phil as well after he hit his second shot into 18. Um, so they were, um, they were maybe over-exuberant, um, but I don't think there was any malice in there. Um, I, I don't think anyone was deliberately trying to to take him out, but certainly guys being a little rough and jumping around and maybe forgetting that he is nursing a knee injury. But also, um, if you are pegging it up in a major championship, there's a certain assumption that the knee is fine enough to play, um, but maybe not to to handle a bit of roughhousing. And, and I think that was the point that, uh, that Brooks was maybe trying to make so crudely um, is that uh, it's not meant to to have to withstand that sort of abuse. Um, but I mean, as I say, the uh, the marshals and the officials, everyone just lost lost control of of that. It is what it is that uh, it happened, um, and uh, he can complain about it as much as he wants. Um, it doesn't change what uh, what transpired. Nah, not at all. And you know, one of the things that he really complained about as well was his own performance. And he spoke about the patting. And I know you you and I, Rich, last night we were chatting about it. Now, Ty was hugely critical of Louis Westhausen's patting, as we all were. Uh, especially during round three, I think it was, uh, some remarkably short putts that, that he went on to miss. And, and that surely could have been a massive difference. I remember the commentators said at the end of the third round, they said, look, if, if he had brought his putter today, Louis would be leading the PGA Championship. And that, of course, wasn't the case. But Brooks yesterday, I, I don't think I've ever seen him putt that badly. And, and he spoke about it afterwards as well. That was one of the things that, that, that he highlighted. He said he, he, can't, he can't believe it. Um, I mean, he... I think first they applaud him for the fact that he is competing straight after knee surgery, but uh, putting went amiss, not just for Louis, not just for Brooks, but uh, a couple of guys out there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, uh, Phil putted particularly well. I think his chipping is sensational and and was the best on show by far yesterday. But I genuinely don't believe that he putted extremely well yesterday i mean he missed he got a lot of putts close and so he, he putted well but not not exceptional he didn't win the tournament on the back of that i mean he left the door open and uh, the, the thing that was frustrating was you know louis didn't walk through that door brooks didn't walk through that door but derek a, a bigger door i want to move on from the putty a bigger door is the PGA Championship, and there were a few players who just decided not to pitch this week, and some of them literally couldn't pitch on the weekend because they didn't make the cut. And, and obviously that brings me to talking point number three is the big names fail again. Now, 
Uh, I'm talking about Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas missing the cut. I'm talking about Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy really not in contention at all. Um, you know, what is going on uh, with the guys sitting at the top of the world rankings? In fact, if you look at the top top few guys in the world rankings, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, both missed the cut. John Rahm got a top 10. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau had a, a mare yesterday falling back. Colin Marikawa, not really in contention. Xander Schofler, not really in contention. Patrick Reed, Rory McIlroy, Tyrrell Hatton. So, I mean, if you look at that top 10 in the world, the only one that was really in contention at any point this weekend was Brooks. And, you know, John and, and Bryson both at some point looked like they would have a go. But what's going on? The big names are failing to deliver on the big stage. Rich, all yours. Yeah, it's it's tough to to try and pinpoint what exactly is going on there. Um, I would have expected more from DJ. Uh, he is from South Carolina, so I would have thought it would have been maybe familiar settings for him. Maybe not familiar with the golf course, but you know, a little bit of home crowd support. Um, he would have maybe taken to that and played a little bit better. Um, but at the end of the day, guys, it's so hard to compete week in and week out at the highest level that these guys do compete at. And it's one thing, remember, to to win, you know, the Valero Texas Open or the Waste Management Phoenix Open or one of those events and to dominate those and to be in the top five. It's another thing completely to compete in a major championship, whether they like it or not. They all know the importance of it, whether they think it's the ugly duckling of the uh, the five or the four majors and that it sort of sits somewhere alongside the players as a sort of almost a, a fifth major. Um, regardless of any of that, they know it's a major. They know they're expected to be there and thereabouts. And sometimes I just think the pressure and the occasion might get a little bit too much for them. They, um, they have the expectation that uh, they've got to perform. And uh, sometimes that gets the better of them, plain and simple. Um, it was a brutal golf course, um, a very demanding course. Uh, and, and when your game is maybe not at 100%, whether it's maybe not even at 80 or 85%, and you're under that sort of a microscope and that sort of scrutiny and that much is expected of you, things can go sideways. And I think that's what happens with a lot of those big name guys. As we saw from Justin Thomas, he just didn't get out the gates and struggled from the get-go and never really recovered. And, and, you know, it's hard to fight back on a course like that. It's hard when, you know, the winning score over four days is six under par. I mean, it's, it's a really, really tough layout. And if your game's not a hundred percent, and things are not firing, then it just makes for a, a really, really long two days for a lot of those guys. What about yeah, it the, just strikes the me enigma? We've been uh, uh, sorry. The, I just said it just strikes me how spoiled we've been over the years, because I grew up watching Ernie and Tiger, and I mean Ernie never missed cuts at majors. So you almost thought, okay, if you're one of the top five in the world, you would naturally just make cuts, and and we're seeing now. I mean, regularly the top 10 players will miss cuts at majors. And it just shows you that consistency that the likes of uh, Phil, Tiger, Ernie had was rather special. You, you know, just one of those guys, Ty, that, that you spoke about. And I don't want to pull apart the performance of every single player, but uh, one man in particular who who's proven to be almost an enigma of, of late and it's particularly pertinent to this conversation because, Rich, you were there when, when he won the PGA Championship back in 2012, and that's one Rory McIlroy. There's always this, this underlying feeling that 
he's going to come good this time. He has to. There's just too much talent in that Irish body not to get another major. And I think it was, uh, what, the earlier earlier this month that he, he fell out of the world top 15 for the first time in, in, in I don't know how many years. But uh, do, do you think he's, he's on a downward spiral? Um, I, I think maybe it's a little harsh to say a, a downward spiral. Um, the guy is still probably going to turn out to be one of the best golfers of our generation. So um, I think we need to use those words carefully. I think the problem is our expectations for Rory and what Rory can deliver on a weekly basis don't always match up. I mean, the last time at the PGA, he won by, what was it, eight shots? Um, it was just an absolute joke what he did to that golf course and how he played there. Um He's a phenomenal talent. There is absolutely no disputing that. Um, he's maybe lost his way a little bit. He's spoken about trying to chase the Bryson distance. He's spoken about the impact that the lack of crowds has had on his game, that he's had no momentum playing. He is still a ridiculous talent. I mean, you 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 listen to all those um, those little sort of fun interviews that they have with uh, with people that ask who's the most talented golfer, um, who who's got the most natural ability, and and ninety nine percent of people say Rory McIlroy. You know, when they say out of these three, whoever's on their A game wins on the day. If they're all on their A game, Rory still wins. Mm. And that's up against DJ. It's up against JT. It's up against literally the best in the business. Now he is. Superb. I think, though, that we just expect him to win every time he pegs it up because he is so good. Uh, and that's not going to happen, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I, I remember if I can con- compare it to, say, Formula One and also similar interviews. You know, they interviewed the likes of uh, uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, Lewis Hamilton, even, etc. And the same question posed to each and every one. And each and every time the answer came back to who is the most talented driver, they always said, Fernando Alonso, yet Fernando Alonso only ever finished with uh, two championship titles to his name. And, and you look at Rory McIlroy, four majors. I mean, it's the same amount as, as Brooks Koepka. Uh, another amazing stat, and I'm deviating completely, but this is quite interesting for me, is that were Brooks to have won yesterday, of course, it doesn't matter now because that didn't take place, he would have equaled full with majors one. So they would have won five apiece at now it stands at 6-4. If he were to, have, he, he would have won his fifth major before Phil won his first, which shows how quickly out of the blocks uh, Brooks Kepka started his career. Now I know we've we've spoken about him at length, and uh, I'm completely deviating from the topic now. But uh, it, it, I, I get your point, and I understand completely. The guy is uber talented, and I just wish. He'd win a few more majors, and uh, it must be sooner rather than later. Uh, Ty, uh, another interesting part of uh, what took place over the last four days? Yeah, of course. Derek, I mean, and and we saw lots of people talking about it, but there were no bunkers. So uh, Patrick Reed lost his competitive advantage because everybody (laughs) could ground their clubs. But, uh, you know, it threw in an interesting dynamic uh, because – we, we saw players utilizing the course. And I think that's what I want to say. The talking points is the course. The, the course in terms of the 18th, how players were using the grandstand, the, the, the bunkers that were part of normal play. And I think the thing that really struck me the most is even though players could have a practice swing, they could ground the clubs, most of them didn't. And we saw some sensational bunker play from the non-bunkers. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, it was, 
<laughs> it was such a, an, an interesting way to go about things that um, they decided rather than to uh, to to have all sorts of issues and rules problems with the people, a la Dustin Johnson at um, at uh, at Whistling Straits in in 2010. They just decided to to scrap the whole bunker concept um, and and just turn them all into into sand areas. Um, it does get a little bit much after the 500th time <laughs> that a commentator says, "Let's just remind you these are not bunkers." But um, there are guys who are fairly quick on the uh, on the finger in terms of phoning in and calling people out for for grounding their club. But yeah, I, I also found that fascinating that that the guys, despite having the advantage of being able to have a practice shot in a bunker, didn't use it. Yeah, uh, and I would have been called out immediately. Rich, I think it was the last time you and I played over at Rand Park and uh, first bunker, first of 38,000 bunkers that I found that day. And uh, I get in there, put my club down, and you go, hold on a sec, <laughs> that's not allowed. <laughs> so I would have had free reign if I was over at Kiowa Island. It does, it exactly. does, it, it does blow Derek, my it's, mind. It's yeah. interesting because I am very much a golfer who has a practice swing mm. before every shot. You know, I like to feel the swing and you know, my, fortunately I don't have the craziest pre-shot uh, routine, so it's, it's pretty quick. Um, but uh, yeah, even a bunker, like I, I used to struggle so much out of bunker because I couldn't have a practice swing. Uh, you know, and then like, I'd say, can't I just have a practice swing far away from the ball? And that's why everyone's like, no, no, you can't. So I was like, okay. This game sucks. Come on. But uh, now bunkers are one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, and I love them so much that even Colby is getting excited here in the background. <laughs> yeah, he is. But that's uh, completely okay. We, we absolutely love it. It's a family show, so we have to bring in the entire family. Uh, anything else uh, to, to pick apart from the PGA? Of course, we've, we've got the major talking point, and that's the man who earned his, his sixth major championship. We, we spoke about him a little bit earlier. But, I mean, Phil Mickelson, what, what can't this guy do? Enrich, uh, was there any way that you could have fathomed ahead of this PGA Championship where someone said to you that, that Phil's going to be in contention and probably win. Would you have uh, taken it at face value or have laughed him off the park? Uh, it's hard to say now because you know the outcome. Yeah, true. Is, is it beyond the realms of possibility? No. Um, has he been playing interesting golf, if not spectacular golf? Definitely. Um, I, I've been super impressed with how he's um, dedicated himself to the game again, um, how he's refocused, how he's, uh, he's worked on his fitness, how he's worked on his speed, how he's worked on hitting bombs. Um, <laughs> it's been fascinating to watch uh, just how hard he has worked the last little while to stay competitive with the younger golfers. Um, did I think he could win ahead of this week? No, not really. Um, but as the week went on, I could see it happening more and more as the story unfolded and he edged closer to that victory. Uh, it, it was just so impressive. Look, they didn't give him much of a chance in 2013 either. Mm. And uh, look how that turned out at Muirfield for him. So he's always been, I think, often underrated um, just because his game can be um, so hit or miss uh, that I often don't think he has the ability to 
to sort of rein himself in and uh, and go about uh, go about things in sort of a non full type way. Um, he's always relied on his short game to get him out of trouble and and all that sort of stuff. But um, I'm just so impressed with the way he went about it, with the way he approached the last four days. It was just really really good to watch. And and at 50 years old, I mean, it is just an unbelievable achievement what uh, what he managed to get done. You know, one of the most impressive interviews that I've heard in a in a very long time, probably the the best golfing interview. I have heard, and that was uh, conducted by the Barstool Sports Guys with uh, Butch Harmon, who used to be Phil's former coach, uh, amongst uh, many other big names. And the the one question posed to to Butch was, "Do you think that Phil is upset having uh, played in the same era as Tiger? You know, he, he could have dominated the game in a different era." And, and Butch said, "No, no, no." Make no mistake. The reason why Phil was as good as Phil was was because of Tiger. He, he pushed him on, and he pushed him to to areas where he didn't know he was capable of of producing. And of course, Tiger's not in the picture anymore. We we don't know if if he'll ever come back. Probably not. But it was nice to see him Tigerless to an extent, because it's always been the full Tiger relationship, the rivalry. This time around, there's nothing to deal with that. It was full on his own. Yeah, it's been special that uh, that rivalry between the two of them. I think they've they've taken each other to greater heights. I know um, if you've seen that documentary, the Tiger Woods one, um, yeah. the HBO one, um, where uh, where he wanted to to destroy Phil and then beat him at all costs, and um, you know not just beat him but but humiliate him in defeat. And um, I think the two of them have, have been great for each other's game. Um, but you know the longevity that that Phil has shown is remarkable. Um, the injuries the Tiger has had, the way he's he's pushed his body, um, and you look at that by contrast. Here's a man who's who's six or seven years older than him, who uh, who, who looks better than a, a thirty year old or most of the thirty year olds. I mean, you compare Phil to to Harry Higgs or a, another prime athlete that was uh, out there yesterday. Um, you know the guy's in in remarkably good shape. He's playing phenomenal golf, and his tie started it all off with. Um, Hitting bombs, longest drive of the week on on sixteen. So that he, blew he's my mind. Phenomenal, Nick. That that blew my mind. Uh, into the longest drive of the week, and also to do it playing against Brooks Kepka, who's a who's a notorious driver of the ball himself. I mean, imagine you you in your early twenties, mid twenties, and and you're playing up against this fifty year old. And I mean, what was the difference between their two drives at that stage? I think it was 20 yards or so that, um, I mean, look, the adrenaline's pumping at that stage. So this is going to give you a few extra yards. But what did Phil hit at 366 or something? And then Brooks was 340. I mean, it's just, it's stunning to to see that happen. Um, and, and you know, you say uh, as a 20-year-old sitting watching that, um, you know, you think sort of what chance do you have? Well, you're thinking if um, if I have as much game and commitment and dedication, then, uh, then my career can be, can be just as long and, and hopefully just as successful. So I think he's laying down a marker and setting a very high standard for, uh, for those to come. So let's hear from the man of the moment. Uh, Phil going on to, to capture his sixth major. Immediately afterwards, he was put on the spot and this is what he had to say. Uh, it, um, it's, it, it's been an incredible day and... I have not let myself kind of think about the results until now. Now that it's over, I've tried to stay more in the present and the shot at hand, not jump ahead and race. I've tried to um, really shut my mind to a lot of stuff that was going on around. Like I, I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't getting on my phone. I was just trying to quiet things down because 
I'll get my thoughts racing and I really just tried to stay calm and um, I believed for a long time that I could play at this level again. I didn't see why I couldn't, but I wasn't executing the way I believed I could. And with the help of a lot of people, my wife especially, but Andrew Getson and, and my brother Tim and, and Steve Loy, I've been able to pro make progress and, and then have this week. So um, it's been very, it's very exciting because um, I've had a few breakthroughs on being able to stay more present, be able to stay more more focused, and physically, I'm I'm striking it and playing as well as I ever have, but I haven't been able to see that clear picture. So, although I believed it until I actually did it, there was um, there was a lot of doubt. I'm sure. Phil Mickelson, not only the first man over 50 to win a uh, a grand uh, a major, but he is also the lowest ranked player to win since Sean McKeel wow. was ranked 169th in 2003 and in history since the rankings have begun he is now the fifth lowest ranked player to win a major having started the week at 115 of course he's now number 32 again incredible stuff jeez that, that's astounding would you this would put him in a Ryder Cup territory. Rich, would you bring him along? <laughs> yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, uh, the chat was sort of almost now, does he get a captain's pick? But I, I haven't looked at the rankings and the qualification criteria and all the rest, but I think this might force him in as an automatic pick. Um, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd still have to go and have a look and see what it does. But um, why not if he can play like that? You know, to have that in the Ryder Cup would be phenomenal. I think his last outing, though, at Le Golf National was was one of his most disappointing Whoa. performances. I thought he was decidedly average that week, um, and he won't want another repeat of that. But uh, he seems motivated. He seems fit. He seems to be playing some of the best golf of his career. Why not have him in the Ryder Cup? If not as a player, most certainly he will be there as an assistant captain or in some shape or form. Yeah, there's no and question. Pair him with Brooks Kipka. Yeah, oh, geez, that'll be beautiful. <laughs> and and I mean, they, they really did hate each other. Well, Phil didn't. Phil was just going about his business. But uh, yeah, Brooks would pretty, pretty much have hated anyone that was beating him uh, as badly as he was getting beaten uh, yesterday afternoon. But uh, you, you speak about Phil and Ryder Cup. Uh, remember the controversy surrounding which year was it when Tom Watson was captain uh, and Phil actually had a go at Tom Watson immediately afterwards at the, the captain's presser, the USA had just lost again and, and Phil could not hide his contempt for, for Tom Watson. And, and it was actually quite awkward for the press involved because he was scathing about the man who was sitting directly to his right and uh, Tom Watson, who's one of the nicest men in the world, never mind just golf, had to just sit there and take it. It was 2014, Derek. Um, yeah, absolutely. So let's see what people will say about Phil when he captains the team in the future. But before we close the book on the PGA Championship, because, uh, you know, some people have been listening to us all the way on their drive to work and are now listening to us on the way home, <laughs> I thought it's important that we each pick a player of the week other than Phil. And uh, your reason for that can be anything. So, Derek, if you want to go with the Burger King, you can. But uh, I thought I'd go first so I give you guys a little bit more thinking time. And also because I'm going to take um, 
I'm going to take one of the easy ones up front, and, and you've inspired it with your Ryder Cup question, Dirk, and that is 49-year-old Padraig Harrington, mm. who uh, had a super day yesterday and ended up finishing in a share for fifth, I think it was, or maybe even fourth. An incredible, incredible week for him. Uh, sorry, it was a share of fourth place with Paul Casey, Shane Lowry, and Harry Higgs. Uh, with a final day 69. So my player of the week, other than Phil, because Phil is everyone's player of the week, I'm going with Padre Harrington. Rich, I'm uh, throwing a hospital pass over to you. Yeah, I'm going to take the easy way out, Derek. Um, my player of the week, aside from Phil, um, is an easy pick for, for South Africans, Louis Oerstes. And uh, I think a lot of people leading up to the PGA Championship maybe gave him a little skip they, uh, they glanced over him and thought, well, he just hasn't got the job done in recent times. Let's look at the new crop, you know, maybe Bezzy, maybe Garrick Higo, um, Dylan Fratelli, Eric Van Royen, a whole host of youngsters. And once again, Louis Oerstes and underlined his title credentials. He is a man for the moment, maybe not the biggest moment, but he is a man for the occasion. And when it comes to major championships, he is our brightest star. And I still think... If we are going to get a major championship victory soon, it's going to be Louis Oerstes. And we were a little disappointed in the way things panned out for him. But tied second again at a major. It's only a matter of time, lads, before major number two comes the way of Louis Oerstes. Yeah, it's an amazing thing that Rich, and it's well documented about how many times he has finished second. He, he completed the Grand Slam not too long ago. And, and he gave us a, a, an amazing rendition of a, of a song inside an aeroplane. Uh, singing his praises uh, by, by collecting that Grand Slam of second places. But, you know, is it, do, do you think this will be his lasting legacy? Uh, and, and I know that he captured the Open back in 2010 at St. Andrews, and that was great to get off the blocks early. But since then, second, 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 which of course is phenomenal in itself. But do you think it's going to be a case of, will you say he, he, he could probably collect a, another major soon? And I really do hope so, because I really don't want it to be a case of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And, and again, I know he has collected a major before, but a man of that much talent, he's certainly not worth one major to finish his career. Yeah, 100%. I think he falls very much into the same category as Rory McIlroy. Mm. You know, just how good they are and when they don't perform to that level, don't win as many and uh, as, as much as we expect they do, we're a little bit disappointed. But fields are deeper. It's tougher to get that victory. And as time goes on, Look at somebody like Lee Westwood. It becomes tougher and tougher and tougher to get over the line again. I don't think that's going to be the case with Louis. He is simply too good. Um, I, I don't want to say it because it seems disparaging to to win a major, but at some point, and, and it could very well have been this one, he's going to fall into a major. And, and it sounds funny, but something's going to click. He's going to shoot a 65 in the final round. He's going to vault up the leaderboard. People are going to fold and he's going to win a major or something is going to happen. And Louis is going to win a major. And I've just got a sneaky suspicion that when he gets number two, number three and number four could follow. Um, same as when he wins eventually on the PGA tour in America. Um, I think it's going to open the floodgates. It's going to take the weight off his shoulders. Um, but, but he just needs to literally just fall into the right conditions, into the right frame of mind, a few putts drop, all of a sudden you're in a position, 
you close it out and you don't look back from there. I think that's what's going to happen with Louis. And you speak about conditions and our, our apologies. And I said we we're wrapping this part up and, and we are, I promise you. But of course, it was just a, a weekend filled with tremendous storylines. And this was another because, of course, Louis played in the, the final pairing on, on day three and he lost out on day four. And a lot of us wondered, was it a good or a bad thing? Because everything was rah, 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 the, the Phil Mickelson show. So thankfully, he wasn't playing in that group. But then he was playing next to Strillman, who was a bit of an underwhelming opponent, so to speak. And that's no disrespect whatsoever to Strillman. But, you know, he started off with back-to-back birdies, and then he, he just faded away. And do you need a competitor next to you who, who's, who's pushing you on, urging you on, and, and the crowd's backing? Or, or do you want someone like Strillman... And I'm talking from a, a Louis in perspective. Who was the better guy to be paired with uh, going into round four? Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Louis was done zero favours by being paired with Kevin Streelman. Uh, I, I think that did him no favours whatsoever. Uh, I honestly think he would have stood a better chance if uh, if he had have played with Phil. Um, that would have, I, I think, sort of raised his game to another level. And and it's it's different when uh, when the guy who's the leading contender is in in the group behind you. Um, as to when you're playing with him, it, it almost sort of takes on a, a match play scenario, if you will, if you're playing alongside the guy who's leading the way. Um, and I think that's maybe what was missing yesterday was a bit of momentum and impetus. You know, the guys will obviously say, you know, no, they don't focus on it too much. But by the same token, if somebody's going in the right direction and you start heading in that direction too, it's far easier to feed off that momentum than it is to try and generate some on your own. So I honestly think um, it would have certainly helped Louis to be paired with Phil. Um, and if not Phil, Brooks might have been interesting as well. Just a bit of fire there. Yeah, I'm glad that we got to speak so much on Louis because then it got me out of having to select my uh, golf of the weekend apart from Phil Mickelson. Although, decidedly, I would have gone for Louis myself, uh, but because I couldn't do that, uh, I'll just do a cop-out and I'll go down the list and I'll select young Abram Anson. No, no, the no, Mexican. you won't, Derek. You will pick because it's going to be a great segue into the next uh, thing. Derek, tell us who you would pick, really. Which golfer brought you the most joy? There, on Friday. There is no question Daniel Berger, the young American who came into the mix uh, with a win under his belt this season and uh, yeah, managed to scratch his way into the weekend and then completely fell apart, which was disastrous for me because we'll tell you about that in a couple of seconds' time. Hey, this is Thomas Sapp, the Commissioner of the Sunshine Tour, and you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. So, Daniel Berger, why did I back him so much? Well, the reason is simple. We alluded to it at the beginning of the show. There is a website called Golf Champs that has taken South Africa and the golfing community by storm. Richard, you're on Golf Champs as well, hey? Yeah, I'm I'm not very um, prolific on Golf (laughs) Champs, though, and I'm definitely not very successful on Golf Champs either. So um, I I keep a bit of a low profile when it comes to to that sort of stuff. Yeah, we we absolutely love it. And it is a tremendous uh, golfing game, which just adds a whole new dimension to any golfing tournament that that you are following. And then you really cover the the major ones. So not just the majors, but uh, other big ones too, uh, as well as say the million dollar, et cetera. And uh, joining us now, we've got the man who created Golf Champs. It's it's great to have him on board. Uh, Cameron McNaughton, thanks for joining us. 
And uh, yeah, geez, uh, what a great weekend. And I can imagine another great weekend for golf champs. Afternoon, gents. Yeah, fantastic weekend. I mean, when we have a weekend like that on golf champs, especially when the South Africans are near the top of the leaderboards, um, our fan base, which is predominantly South African, just go absolutely nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Cameron, I wanted to, to ask you, but can I, what gave you the idea, uh, you and your team, the idea to punish people like me so severely? <laughs> because uh, I have, I think I've played now 10 different tournaments in golf champs and I've only once had all four players make the cut. And man, that is brutal. Uh, th- this weekend, I'll, I'll put it out there. My only player that made the cut was Rory. So I was right near the bottom of the leaderboard. But it, it's a brilliant thing. I mean, how did you guys come up with that concept? Yeah, Tyron, I see you're really struggling this weekend there. <laughs> but I definitely need to give credit to, it's not just me, they were a core team of three guys. We came up with this concept in 2014. We um, we started running an Excel sheet as, as guys do. And it, this Excel sheet just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was the one there in my mat. I'll have to give them credit because they'll kill me if I don't. Um, Phil Hurd and Matt Croxon. And we said, look, instead of running this thing on an Excel spreadsheet, let's digitize it. And this was, you know, around the time of you know, mobile phones coming out and, and you know, being able to get live scores and so on. And from there, we've just grown from strength to strength. Uh, I see you guys have actually had a quick look. You guys have been with us since 2017, in fact. So, yeah, you've been on board a while. Yeah, we have been. And for, for the uninitiated, just to, to explain how, how it exactly works. So a player registers and they get to select four players to compete over the course of the four rounds. However, their total world ranking can't dip below 100, which is great because it means that you can't go and pick the best four players in the world, which wouldn't have helped you this weekend, by the way, because uh, most of them were, were chucked out anyway. Uh, but, but it is great. It, it certainly levels the playing field. And... Man, I, I mean, okay, so, so going through my players, uh, I mentioned Daniel Berger, and the reason why Daniel Berger got in was because he was my fourth pick, and I had 17 ranking points left, and I went down the list, and he was the next best in terms of to make it exactly 100. So that's the only reason why I got in. Uh, the guys saw my, my team um, initially, and they're like, what, what the hell are you doing? Why are you picking Daniel Berger? And I said, watch this man, Berger time. He's going to do it. And he, and he proceeded to completely stuff up that first round, managed to bounce back second round and, and somehow squeaked into uh, the weekend uh, after which he completely capitulated, as did uh, a few of my other players. But uh, my players were uh, Gary Kiku, who I went with form because, uh, of course, he's been sensational recently, winning uh, two European Tour events in the space of three weeks. Daniel Berger, as mentioned. Jordan Spieth, who, who seems to be a popular choice because he's certainly starting to work his way back into form but uh, his world ranking hasn't quite caught up yet. So he still has uh, a fairly low world ranking. And uh, who was my fourth? Oh, Rory McIlroy, the enigma. Thought, again, as we alluded to earlier, this was going to be the tournament for him. And, and unfortunately, that, that wasn't the case. So those were my four. Ty, a little window into your four? I mean, Derek, I feel like uh, it's not necessary. Um, but yeah, look, I went with Charles because Charles has been in some good form. I uh, it didn't work. I went with uh, Justin Thomas because you know every tournament I think he's gonna win his next major. That didn't work, and then I was like, okay, let me go with Mark Leishman because he makes all the cuts always. 
Then, of course, he proceeded to miss a uh, two-meter putt on the 18th <laughs> to to miss the cut. And then I went with Rory because yeah, I, I like Rory. I'm, I'm a fan, and I always like to bring a fan. And I always make sure I select a South African, and usually whichever South African I pick has an absolute mess. So to Charles, I know you're listening. You're a big fan of the show, Charles. I'd like to apologize. It's my fault that your putter wasn't working. <laughs> Cameron, it's great. I mean, I spoke about it adding a new dimension. It really does. The guys, nonstop banter regarding it. And, and of course, because it's golf, it's not like it's, it's a team sport where we're talking super rugby or something where everyone's got their own teams or football. Uh, uh, South Africans, in, of course, we're all supporting South African players. So it's not like you can have banter against each other. Everyone's rooting for Louis Wersteisen. So this adds a whole new dimension because now suddenly you can go up against your fellow South African because I've selected a burger and, and Ty selected a leashman who completely missed the cut with his last putt of the, of, on, on Friday. Um, what are your numbers like? And, and, and popularity-wise, are you climbing by the day? Uh, who's been the most popular players? Who's been the most unpopular players? Do you, have, do you have access to those stats? Yeah, sure. I mean, just to, I mean, this game's brutal. It's super, super hard. So I feel for you guys. I mean, <laughs> I had Sam Burns who withdrew, had another player who missed the cut. So it's, it's super, super hard. But I think the thing that you touched on is, you know, you end up rooting for a guy like Mark Leishman who's got to make a two-meter putt in the last hole to make the cut, you norm normally wouldn't be looking at that, you know? So it really gets your eyes looking up and down the leaderboard, right from the top, right down to the bottom. And in terms of our growth, yeah, it's been absolutely phenomenal. We, um, you know, I can officially say we've approached 30,000 users now across the world. So, you know, it started in South Africa and it was, you know, predominantly um, South African. And now we've grown into the UK, I think through expats, um, this last week, you know, we found that we had a huge bunch of guys signing up from Scotland, um, actually due to another podcast from out there, completely unrelated. So we're finding growth all over the world, the US, Canada, Netherlands, the Middle East. So, yeah, we just love the game of golf. I mean, this isn't our day job. <laughs> this is something we do for a hobby and we just absolutely love doing it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see where this can take us, but we're just looking to grow the game and make it fun for you know, you guys who golf enthusiasts, but also my dad who's 70 years old and needs a simple and easy way to do this and follow it on that. Okay. Yeah, it really, really is. Uh, we, we didn't say goodbye to Rich. I know he's about to step off. Rich, uh, before we continue with Golf Champs, got to say our cheers, but thanks again for joining us as always. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to, to pick the bones apart of uh, the next tournament. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me on again. As usual, an absolute pleasure. And we look forward to the next time. Thanks so much, uh, Richard Maspro. Catch him on Supersport and also a very, very bad golf champs player. But make no mistake, I'm going to press him to ensure that uh, we get a team out of him uh, for the next event. When is the next event? Uh, which one? Because you, 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 you're very selective in terms of the tournaments that you take part in. So we've got the US Open coming up. So we've got a nice stretch now, US Open then the Open Championship, and then the Olympics. So we try and focus on one big tournament a month across either the Euro or PGA Tour. And I think it's a formula that works for us in terms of now it's a one-and-done league. I mean, I'm sure you guys play other fantasy sports. It can get quite tiring. You know, this refreshes, it gives you a new chance to, you know, win all the great prizes that we have on offer. So, you know, you can get back to Tyron, you know, or oh, Joe, you can 
dominate Thailand again next next <laughs> month the US Open. I like. Do, Sorry, do, just do say that. No, 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 just say this line again. No, no, no. Dominate Thailand again. Did you guys have a side bet by any chance? Yeah, we did. I've done so many rumblers this weekend. It's a joke. We we we. But what we will do is for the US Open, we will go public on a side bet between the two of us. But. Do you know, Derek, I actually, so so we also have a, a money pool with a group of just our closest friends. Uh, there were 14 of us. But when I created the group, I made a mistake to say open invitation. So I um, I actually did win one pool this week, but it's only me that's in it. <laughs> <laughs> with with a score of 76 over par. <laughs> Jesus. I, I, I couldn't believe that score. And you just kept on sinking. Every every hole. I mean, every time I, I clicked refresh, you were further and further down at the bottom. At one stage, uh, I posted a, a leaderboard on our on our group, and and Ty said, "Very rude of you not to include my name there." And I said, "Sorry, my phone doesn't scroll that low down." Um, I just take a <laughs> screenshot of a of an abacus. But um, but uh, Derek, we <laughs> must also just point out that uh, in the Raider Golf, we had yeah. sixty four people. We 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 messed around and didn't invite. Uh, people early for that but we got complete golf on board and they gave us three but just so you know i didn't come last out of the 64 i came 61st below me was kent briggs cameron champs cameron golf champs that's not you cameron that's him yeah good old uh, old, uh what was his name that pulled out early on but yeah, Cameron, this, even this you proves we're not rigging the system <laughs> you see me down there exactly but we have david topless who ended up with a plus 92 with a 13-stroke victory at the bottom. Uh, worst I've ever seen. And if I just click into him quickly, let's just see who his golfers were. He had Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, and Jason Day. Whoa. No, oh, so and, brutal. And, and there, I mean, they aren't they aren't bad players. Well, well no one is, of course. So they're, they're professional golfers. So they're, they're fantastic. They're far better than me. But again, you pick a JT, you pick a Jason Day, and Jason Day hasn't been in the greatest of form. But you don't expect him to completely capitulate. Then, and, and that's exactly what takes place. And and again, we mentioned that that two of uh, well, the top two golfers in the world failed to make the weekend. I mean, it, it, it's almost unheard of. And there I am flying the fa- flag for, for Daniel Berger, who makes it through um, by, <laughs> by d- d- the smallest of margins. Um, and yeah, it, it really, really is great. And uh, Cameron, I, m- I must applaud you for, for creating a, a whole new game. And uh, you, you spoke about numbers and popularity. Uh, where, where do you see this going? I mean, I can imagine it just going from strength to strength. Yeah, well, thanks for your guys' support and thanks for creating such a big pool. And, you know, I think, you know, it's the golf community here in South Africa. I mean, I've met just so many people and there are so many people who love love the game. I, look, I mean, we'd love to get big in the, in the US and the UK. Um, I think, you know, we continue to grow in South Africa. You mentioned earlier in the show, there are 145,000 registered golfers. So, you know, we'd love to tap into more of that and and just continue on this wave. And as long as we keep it fun and engaging, you know, why can't it be a great uh, success? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we, we're very, very happy to, 
to get into bed with you guys, uh, figuratively speaking, of course, with uh, with regard to this <laughs> and, and to to pump it up as much as possible because we absolutely love it. Uh, we're more than happy to, to host as many groups as possible. Thank you again to to Complete Golfer for coming on board with the prizes. Great prizes on offer. Uh, three one-year subscriptions to a phenomenal magazine. So, so well done to Gary Lemke and his team for putting together a great read every second month. Ty, Tyron Barnard's a, a contributor as well. And uh, Ty, just going over our three winners once again. Yeah, congratulations to our winner, Hank Kotzer, uh, also a good friend of ours, and uh, him and Urban, uh, Urban Events sponsoring our upcoming thing that we'll let people know about pretty soon. Uh, to Murray White, and of course to Daryl Willemser. So well done to those who they're all getting a one-year uh, subscription to Complete Golfer. Yeah. The best golfing magazine in South Africa by far. What, what, what a prize. Thank you very much to, to Complete Golf. And, and I tell you what, Henk is my regular playing partner. And often in Complete Golf, they have uh, regular playing tips. And Henk doesn't need those because he is always carrying me in every single event that we play. In fact, we're playing at Serengeti on Wednesday. And uh, I think Henk's uh, quietly quiet, uh, crying to himself in the corner, realizing that he's going to have to play with me once again. Ty, are you playing on Wednesday, eh? Yeah, I am D, and uh, it's myself and the big wizard going to take out the team of Derek and Hink. Yeah, they call it uh, Team Herrick. Uh, so it's uh, <laughs> and it's it's really just Hink and uh, some some other bloke who's always uh, scoring sevens and eights. Um, but yeah, that uh, pretty much wraps up this segment of the show. Cameron, thank you so much, man. Really, congratulations Thanks, to you guys. and your team for putting together a phenomenal game. And I, I don't want to say game because it's so much more than that. It, it, and I know I keep on saying the same words, adding an extra dimension, but pretty much sums it up because it, it really does. Uh, it adds a whole new level to, to whatever golfing event that we are following. And, and we can't wait to, to take, take, <laughs> take on many, many more tournaments together and... Uh, Root for the likes of Daniel Berger and Mark Leishman as they fight their way to make the weekend. Uh, Cameron, thanks so much for joining us and uh, we'll catch up soon. And uh, thanks again for, for being a part of it. And a big thank you to Complete Golfer for offering up the prizes in the Raider Golf Pool. Cheers. Hi there, it's Jeff Claus here, CEO of Paradise on Earth, St. Francis Lakes. And you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty. Welcome back to Raider Golf. Uh, you are Tyron Jabu Barnard, and I am chatting to South African Women's Open champion, uh, a title that she's heard not once, not twice, not three times, but incredibly four times, is none other than Leanne Pace. Leanne, congratulations on an incredible weekend, played in probably the toughest conditions you've played in. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was quite tough out there, especially on Saturday. Uh, but, you know, um, Friday was also quite windy. It was about three club wind on, on Friday and then rain and wind on Saturday. So, yeah, that, that made it quite interesting. Uh, but then we had a beautiful day on, uh, on Sunday, so we could redeem ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously I looked at, uh, I was watching on, on Saturday and it was the kind of weather that you felt if anyone breaks par today, they're going to win this tournament. And, you know, I think there was only one player that did but she was a little bit far back and that was Pia Babnik. And of course that led her to a fifth place, but your 73 ends up being one of the best rounds on the course on, on a frankly ridiculous day of golf. 
Yeah, no, it was crazy. We got to uh, we got to number seven, and you just saw waves and waves of water just passing through. And uh, I think the the gusts probably went up to forty five kilometers an hour, so it was nearly impossible to to hit the golf ball. Never mind control it. Um, and then also just just staying out there with the umbrellas going everywhere. It was it was getting quite ridiculous out there. So I'm happy when they called it, uh, sent us out back, tried and. And another wave came, so they called it for the day, which I think was the right decision. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and obviously that's, you know, it's it's often a, a deciding factor in so many of these tournaments is, you know, who gets the best weather in their round. Um, you know, yeah. does, I mean, does that ever sit with you when you're sitting out there in weather like that thinking, geez, the guys who went off this morning, uh, <laughs> they got lucky. Yeah, of course. I'm like, wow, luck of the draw, right? But um there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to suck it up and do your best and hopefully, you know, stay in the tournament. That was my my train of thought is just try and stay in this tournament. So make your par where you can, play to the safe side. Um, but even uh, even a 20-foot putt was, was very, very difficult in those conditions. Um, so it was just literally every shot, one shot at a time, just trying not not to play yourself out of the tournament, just to remain in contention. And, and I mean, Leanne, it, it must be cool. I mean, you, you've won this tournament before. You won it when it was the co-sanctioned. Uh, you really, really enjoyed San Lemire. Uh, <laughs> but getting over the line for the fourth time um, must be cool. something extra special. No, it's very, very special. I, I also, I haven't won uh, a LTO LPGA event since 2014. So to do that again was extremely special. I'm so excited about the rest of the year now. I've uh, set my mind uh, to this year to to competing and, and practicing and, and being strong. And I think my mind above everything else is just in the right place right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a really good year. Uh, going to the US Open, like, you know, in a few weeks' time. I was just busy filling in all the things and, and getting ready for that, looking at flights and everything. And, uh, yeah, I'll never know. If, if I play well there, I might might return for a couple on the LPGA and, mainly in mainly in Europe, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I suppose that's always an interesting question is obviously the SA Open has not always been co-sanctioned. Um, it went through mm-hmm. that period where it wasn't. And and obviously when it wasn't, that's when uh, you were really dominant in it. But uh, <laughs> to get the European Tour victory, and, and it's not your first, I think it's your 10th European Tour victory. Yeah. As you say, you had quite a lot back in 2010, 2013, 2014. <laughs> I mean, you were you were golden girl. Do the victories mean a little bit more now than they did maybe back um, then? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it means more now. It just uh, I'm a bit older, obviously, as everyone points out <laughs> this <laughs> last week. Um, but yeah, I think I can appreciate it a bit more um, right now, especially because it's been a while as well. Been in contention quite a few times um, and just didn't get there. But yeah, it feels very special, obviously, to win the SA Open. In Cape Town, of all places, I love Cape Town. Live not too far away from Cape Town, so um, extremely special. Uh, and yeah, like you say, just yeah, it's good for the rest of the year, and and hopefully I I can get a few more in there on the LET this year. Well, and and obviously there is also another event this year that uh, your ranking jumping up the rankings won't help, uh, won't hurt, and that's <laughs> the 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 Tokyo Olympics. I mean, obviously yeah. you did you didn't go to Brazil, but uh, is that something on the list of something that you'd like to go do this year? 
yeah no 100% I did decide to to go it just seems like every time I I qualify for the Olympics there's some sort of disease in the air <laughs> <laughs> but I I have no doubt that uh, it's going to be very safe um, it's going to be well organized uh, we've traveled now you know with COVID for for two years so know what to expect and I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be fine all the rigorous testing we're going through as well all the time um so I feel quite safe in that aspect and yeah I, I'm going to try and go with Ash and uh, we make a we make a really good team not that it's a, a team championship but um we get on really well and there's a, a good vibe between us so I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, personally love Japan as well um not sure I think it's probably going to be a bubble thing so I'm not sure we're going to be able to go outside of the bubble but um yeah it's, it's a good place and looking forward to that definitely and you know not often do the the men's and women's competitions around the world uh, coincide I mean obviously mm-hmm. uh, South Africa having a very good run in the men's golf you're adding to it from the women's yeah. along with Kaylin winning uh, on this on the sunshine tour you know, how much of a, a role does that play? The likes of Louis Oosthuizen confirming that he will go. Uh, uh, Christian Besaidenot currently the man who's going to go with him. And uh, yeah. you'll have more of that team dynamic. And we know Gary Player was involved in uh, 2018. And just just having that golf community around, how much of a, an impact does that make on you? Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. I think a lot of the top guys are going this year. I think it was just a little bit scary last time in Brazil with, uh, with Zika. Um, but I think everyone feels a, a lot more comfortable this time going. Um, I'm really glad to see the top guys confirming that they are going. Um, you know, I, I know Louis from Marcel Bay, mm-hmm. but uh, Marcel Bay days, so long time ago. So I'm, I'm very happy for him and Christian. Um, I don't know when they are going to be. Uh, I think they're still in qualification process, so it's going to be interesting to see who actually goes in the end. Yeah, it's it's it is currently, and it's interesting because. Uh, Eric van Rooyen actually sits higher on that ranking points than Christian oh, really? um, mm-hmm. but I think it 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 goes completely by world ranking points. So after after the PGA yeah. Championship this weekend, obviously it'll be uh, be a bit closer to yeah, uh, exactly. To no, no, it's quite exciting to to be fighting for that spot, isn't it? Yeah, and also obviously uh, a nice jump in the world rankings for you, uh, a nice fifty place jump. And as you said, you're off to the US Women's oh, nice. Open. Um, you know, you haven't been there since 2017, so you must be quite excited to get back into major golf again. Yeah, I'm super, super stoked about the US Open. Um, obviously, that was one of the bonuses that came with the win. Uh, but I knew if I if I finish at the top, you know, you get all these other incentives that are out there. Um, but that was definitely one of my uh, one of my hopes to go to the US Open again because there was no no way for us to be able to go to any qualifier or anything like that uh, this year. Uh, so fantastic from the USGA to actually give us that opportunity. Um, we're playing at Olympic Club, which is just across the road from uh, from a, a tournament where I actually finished quite well in San Francisco. Really difficult golf courses, usually lightning fast greens and, and quite firm. So um you know the u.s open is always the biggest test in golf in my opinion the rough is high the, the greens are running at speed 12 you gotta stay below it so it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be a true test so i'm very excited and and major golf for the rest of the year have you now got your entry into uh, the british open i oh. assume is sorted i'm not 100 percent sure you need to be top 25 by the time the british open comes around i think that's in august 
Um, so I'm probably going to have to uh, play well in a few more to qualify for that. I don't think a win gets you an automatic exemption into that. Okay. Um, but I am already qualified for the Scottish Open as well. Uh, but I should be should be pretty close to um, to the British Open. Then the Evian Championship, I think the qualification is you've got to be top eight. I don't think a win gets you in there either. I think you've got to be top eight by the time the Evian Championships comes around. Um, and yeah, then we'll see KPMG maybe if I if I make some money on the American. So in any of those events, then I'll probably be entered into the KPMG in America as well. So hopefully, hopefully four majors. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And, and I mean, obviously around the world, uh, women's golf has uh, enjoyed a bit of a resurgence over the past couple of years in terms of maybe not a resurgence, but an emergence out of the, the shadows. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more television coverage. You know, a, a yeah. few years back, people only knew Leanne Pace and Ashley Simon, of course, Ashley Buhana. Yes. But, yeah. you know, the likes of Kayla McNabb, uh, Nicole Garcia, uh, Nabushle Dlamini, you know, yeah. these are becoming household names. What What do you think the reason for that uh, um, um, almost growth in the game is? Well, I, I think, first of all, the sponsors are putting quite a lot of money in to the events and into TV time. Um, I think advertising, everything, but uh, everything in golf first starts with money, doesn't it? Mm. So, Sponsors putting in money, Super Sport, Investec, um, City of Cape Town, always a big support, City of Joburg. Um, they all now are supporting women in general and then obviously women's golf as well. And then Super Sport came, came in last week um, and had died data and just gave us so much exposure all across the world. So, no, it's absolutely wonderful. And I think the girls really, um, really deserve it as well. Because we practice just as hard as the guys <laughs> and we travel just as far. So it's quite nice to see that, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and listen, I, I, I don't know how many guys would have enjoyed playing in the way that you played in on Saturday. Um, something, Leanne, we always do here on Raider Golf is we ask you as one of our guests, if you could pick a dream four ball to play <laughs> around a golf with, who would that oh, be? Yeah. And, and, you know, let's, let's, let's make it people that, all the, the everyday listeners would know. So you don't get the easy okay. get out of jail like mom, dad, and sister or something. Oh, no, my mom doesn't play golf. <laughs> she can barely <laughs> catch a ball. <laughs> um, but uh, no, be, definitely be Ernie. Uh, he's my he's my all-time favorite. Um, he's, I call it a year of since I was little. Um, I think I wouldn't mind seeing... Brad Pitt out on the golf course. <laughs> He's kind of a good looker. Um, definitely Lorena Ochoa. Oh, there we go. You still there, Leanne? Yes. Can you oh, there me? we go. Sorry. Yeah, just cut out there quickly. Yeah, okay. So Lorena Ochoa, Brad Pitt and Ernie else. Uh, that would be a very interesting four ball. Uh, and I'm then sure last... I'm going to pick Brad, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would I... like to. I would like to see him. <laughs> he can caddy. He can caddy. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and I mean, obviously, you've had the the pleasure of playing tons of golf courses around the world. Um, mm -hmm. What what ranks as your favorite, both inside South Africa and outside South Africa? 
so I really do enjoy um, playing Pool Valley. I know <laughs> I know I'm a member there, and obviously uh, I would say that. But I, I love that golf course. Uh, it can be a true challenge. I've never played Leopard Creek, which which I heard is is you know the best in South Africa, and I'd really like to. I'd really like to one day play there. Just doesn't seem to. I don't seem to have time to go up there and play it. But I've heard that's absolutely spectacular. Um, outside of South Africa, I really enjoy Lynx golf. I have to say, um, this year the British Open is at, at Carnoustie, which is absolutely amazing golf course. Uh, but my all-time favorite, I would probably say, is St Andrews. I really, really enjoyed being there. Just the whole—it's um, just so magical. The little town and everything you walk to the golf course—it's fantastic. I think you've hit the nail on the head with. So I was very fortunate. I got to play Leopard Creek in November last year for the oh, first nice. time. I am I am not a a scratch or anything. I play off. I think it's an eleven and a half index, but um, I think it was not more. Bad. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a great course, and and yeah. it looks great. But in terms of of like difficulty of holes and stuff, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I don't know if it's the, the toughest course in the world. Um, okay. But the experience is absolutely sensational. I think very much what you did in St. Andrews, you know, walking through there, knowing the history, knowing the exclusivity, yeah. um, the class of everything, the the old school um, change rooms, everything is just yeah. cut above. And, and for that reason, it does rank as my number one. And I would oh, no. change okay. that. Yeah, I'd love to get there someday. Um, everybody, you know, raves about it. Uh, so I'd love to play it and just be there, experience everything. But it's like you say, it's uh, you just think about everybody that that's walked there, that's walked in the same place, and all the legends that's been there, and, and it just, it, you know, it gives me goosebumps if I think about it. Really, yeah, it's, it's special. But what what gives us goosebumps is South Africans doing well, and that's exactly why we wanted to chat to you, South African Women's Open champion once again, Nian. Um, from from Ashley at Radio Golf and from all our listeners, we want to say good luck for for the US Open. Good luck for the next run. Thank you. Thank you we much. look forward to uh, seeing you lift more trophies over the next twelve <laughs> months. You. And uh, yeah, when when we're back, let's 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 all do it and organize a a round of golf at Leopard Creek. That'd be pretty cool. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Rupert doesn't listen to this, but if he does, uh, well, <laughs> as a belief. <laughs> <laughs> as a belief worm <laughs> uh, Leanne yeah. thanks so much and uh, good luck with the, the visa process um, thank you so much appreciate and, it yeah we'll, we'll keep everybody up to date thanks so much okay. we'll soon thank you right. cheers hi this is Dean Bermister and you're listening to Raider Golf with Derek and Ty Wrapping up the show and we move on to one of our favorite features, the course of the episode. Now we head down to the Eastern Cape where I grew up over in Port Elizabeth. Now, many would say, of course, if you're heading down to PE, the obvious choice would be Humewood Golf Club. And uh, without a doubt, Humewood is is right up there as uh, one of the very best. But uh, I'm going a, a little down the road because... There's a course that's really caught my attention uh, recently, especially when it comes to social media. They've been very, very prevalent in, in advertising how good they are and how accommodating they are. And not only that, I've uh, noticed uh, a couple of people playing there who've really enjoyed their time. And I'm talking people of uh, tremendous stature. We've uh, had a couple of Springboks playing there and uh, also an act. I'll get into that in a, in a short while. But I'm talking about Wedgwood Golf 
and Country Estate over in Port Elizabeth. Uh, really a course that has caught my eye. Of course, I've played it uh, back in the day when I used to live there. And uh, I can't wait to get back. And on the line, we've got the GM of Wedgwood, Anthony Button. Anthony, uh, what a great course you, you have developed over the last couple of years. No, thanks very much, Derek. Uh, we're very proud of what we've achieved here. Um, if I can take you a little bit back into the history, uh, the old Wedgwood course was here for very many years. It hosted uh, big events like the General Motors Open, uh, which attracted players like Gary Player, Yubaki, all the old crowd. Uh, the course was then closed down for for several years, and uh, in 2012 and 2013, uh, the course was completely redesigned by Sean Quinn and rebuilt by Golf Data in conjunction with Sean, and uh, a brand new layout of, of the course was uh, uh, presented, and uh, since then, the estate developed substantially and that is ongoing and uh, it's a wonderful layout uh, it's, it's renowned uh, all, all over the country for the exceptional greens and recently was ranked uh, the club of the top greens in the country wow uh, yeah we, we're very proud of it we have got a mixture of A1A4 pure bent grass greens there's no Sinodin, no Kikuyu, no Parana. Uh, and I think that's what distinguishes uh, Wedgwood from, you know, all the other courses in the area. And certainly it stands out in, in, in the rest of the country. People talk about Wedgwood's greens all over the show. And uh, notwithstanding the greens, it's a wonderful layout. Uh, there's some very tasting holes. But it is still user friendly for the average uh, club golfer. We've got great fairways. Uh, there's some very testing holes, and uh, you know it's great for social golf. We have hosted a number of tournaments, uh, including Eastern Province Golf Union Order of Merit ranking events. We had the Eastern Cape Open uh, six odd months ago, and uh, we also. Proudly to say, we are the uh, home of development golf in in the Eastern Cape. Tell us a bit more about the the development angle. Well, the development uh, angle is is uh, an initiative run by the Eastern Province Golf Union in conjunction with the SADGB, uh, where we at the course we have two PGA professionals who uh, have. Groups of children sent to us by uh, SADGB via the EP Golf Union, where they are given uh, individual lessons, they're given on-course lessons, group sessions, and we groom these guys to to enter into the ranks and and you know to become hopefully representative golfers. And uh, our course is open to to guys who who want to improve their, their game at that level. And uh, we, we're very involved with them ongoing. Well, Anthony, you speak about the, the people that have spoken so highly about Wedgwood. One of them is actor extraordinaire Niels van Jarsfeld, who's also a devout golfer. And this is what he had to say. 
Hi, this is Nielsen Jarsveld. Uh, always an honor to be on your show. Yeah, Wedgwood, sure. I have only positive feedback about Wedgwood. Uh, let's start with the clubhouse. I thought it was a, a, a beautiful little clubhouse. Uh, the coffee was fresh, the staff was friendly, the pro shop was great. Um, I showed up and I asked them, you know, if they have any ball markers available. And they said, unfortunately, they don't because I collect ball markers of all the courses that I play. Uh, but they they offered me a shirt instead, which was fantastic. Had a lovely patio overlooking the uh, the 18th and the 9th. Um, the greens are outstanding. I mean, the bent grass uh, with, with the, 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 you know, rolls Julie, which is always great. Um, I quite like the fact that the two nines were very different. Um, some very unique par threes, challenging par fives, uh, testing par fours. Um, it's it's a fantastic little layout, and and with the two different nines, I would definitely say you know make a plan to go play there. Um, for me, when I play golf, it's a lot about the vibe. It's a lot about the people. It's a lot about the feeling. Um, I felt welcome there, which is important. Um, green fees are affordable. And uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with um, the courses in the Eastern Cape. You know, Humewood is just right up there. Um, but then also a course like Olivewood is something that I'd love to review in the future. Um, but yeah, having played the top 100 in South Africa and uh, Having played over 250 courses in South Africa, and my plans to play them all, uh, Wedgwood is is right up there for me because it's it's truly unique, and I would um, you know urge golfers to to flock right to that club. Uh, you will be accepted with warm welcomes and true greens, and a fantastic layout. Thank you very much, uh, Niels. And uh, yeah, great friend of the show, astounding actor and uh, a tremendous golfer as well. Anthony, that must be music to your ears to hear the glowing words that Niels had to say about Wedgwood. Yeah, that was a very wonderful, kind words, you know. And uh, it's great to hear that. You know, we have, we have such a lot of positive feedback. And, and what is really encouraging is, you know, when we have guys from out of town, uh, they come here and they're blown away. Uh, it, it really, as Neil said, if I, if I can uh, uh, go back to what he said, it is a course of two nines. The one mine is fairly flat. Uh, the other mine is, is a very undulating, uh, scenic mine. Uh, and uh, it's really an experience to play. We, we are blessed. We recycle our own water. Uh, and and we have a good water supply, so we are in a position to to irrigate uh, our greens as per, per the basic requirements, and we still have the capacity to irrigate our fairways should it become necessary. So yes, uh, you know we 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 cater for for golfers uh, from all spheres of of, of life for. For the average guy, he will enjoy himself. For the really tournament shop professionals and what have you, it, it is, is a, a course that when played off the tips is really uh, a good challenge. Oh, I, I'm so glad, Yen. It really, really is a great course. And 
Certainly, it's in the top 100 in South Africa, so that just says it all. We know how many courses are in this country. And, uh, yeah, if you crack that 100, you certainly are right up there in terms of experience and, uh, yeah, enjoyment. And, of course, it's got a storied history as well because, as far as I'm aware, the original Wedgwood uh, Park Country Club was the former host of the General Motors Invitational. Uh, it hosted the likes of Gary Player, Lee Trevino, Sevi Ballesteros, and... Uh, Gary Player, if I'm not mistaken, Anthony, won his 100th professional tournament at Wedgwood. Yes, he, he won it in uh, 1971. He won his 100th professional tournament, yeah, which was the General Motors Open. Uh, he won it in 74. He had it twice. And in 75, he won it as well. But, you know, if you look at the... Uh, at, at the board of that tournament, there are great names there. Some of them which you've mentioned, we've got the likes of, you know, Simon Obday, uh, Peter Wurstace, the Henning Brothers, uh, you know, all that generation uh, played the General Motors Open Year. And, you know, our aim uh, is to bring back uh, a similar type uh, event uh, you know, we're in negotiations to, to bring back uh, a similar type event to, to the club and, and put us back on the map uh, as, as a tournament club, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, that I mean, is our, our vision. Yeah, well, I, I see your vision and I commend you on putting out a really, really great course and one that has been enjoyed over the years by the plebs like myself and the legends like Gary Player and Sevi Ballesteros, etc., etc. And what do you say, Anthony? Let's uh, give uh, a listener a, a chance to walk the hallowed fairways and greens that the likes of Ernie and Lee and Gary have walked themselves and, and give away a four-ball to Wedgwood. I'll tell you what, uh, I'll go one step further. I'll give away a four-ball, including carts, uh, without any restrictions. The guys can welcome to use it over the weekend. Uh, and, and that's what I'm prepared to do. And we would warmly welcome, uh, these visitors on the day. Uh, they must just locate me and, uh, we'll treat them, uh, during the day. Beautiful. Don't worry. We'll sort out all the admin. You heard it your first. An open invitation to go and take part in Wedgwood. We are giving away a four-ball cart and everything included. And it's not just one of those Monday to Friday nonsense things. It's any day of the week. So if you can only play on the weekend, Anthony will welcome you with open arms. It is Wedgwood over in Tebeche slash PE for those that uh, quite haven't uh, caught up just yet over in the Eastern Cape. A wonderful course and and Anthony Button, uh, well done to you and your team on uh, really delivering an outstanding piece of golfing heritage. Oh, thank you very much, guys. And uh, it's really been a pleasure to share our club with you guys on, on your uh, program. And uh, really, we, we're open for everybody and we try to go the extra mile to please all, all golfers. And everybody's welcome. And we hope to see you soon at Wedgwood. Certainly so. And uh, yeah, if you want to find out more about Wedgwood, you can, of course, uh, village them at wedgwoodvillage.co.za. But more importantly, go and visit their Instagram account because it is outstanding. Constantly updating uh, fellow followers about everything that is happening uh, in the course and all events coming up. So give them a follow and you won't be disappointed. But more than anything, go and play the course. You certainly will enjoy it. Anthony, thanks so much. We'll catch up soon. 
That wraps up another episode of Raider Golf. Thank you so much for joining us. A big thank you to my co-host, Tyron Barnard. I loved his interview with Leanne Pace. What an absolute superstar. And uh, Richard Maspro, up front, uh, <laughs> great conversation regarding the PGA Championship. Man, that guy is an absolute fountain of knowledge when it comes to golf. He's, he's been and seen it all, has old Rich, and there's plenty more to come. Wedgwood Golf and Country Estate, check them out. Go play it. You won't be disappointed over in the Eastern Cape. And if you haven't done so, do it already. Go and log on to Golf Champs. Cameron, thank you for joining us too. Man, I'm going to say it again. It will add another dimension to your golfing experience. Remember the US Open coming up and uh, they'll be offering another competition. That's it from us. Join us again. Cheers.